Evening and welcome to the Jersnet weekly podcast. It is Friday 14th of April, if you're watching live, um, just after 9pm. Um, this is episode 258 of the Jersnet podcast. Where does the time go? Uh, I'm John McCallum. I'm joined tonight by Brian Archer. Um, Jersnet is, of course, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans, where the content is free. Um, it's not just a podcast we have at Jersnet. There is a friendly forum. I'm told to say that. It's not friendly. People will call you names. You call me names all the time on there. Um, there are articles. There are some good ones this week, actually. Uh, social media, obviously. Uh, you can follow Frankie on there. Um, and there's a history archive. Um, if you enjoy the pod, um, we would encourage you to subscribe. Um, we are usually on at least twice a week. Um, and you can... Uh, join us uh, usually after on a Friday night or at the weekend, usually on a Sunday night. Um, likewise, if you enjoy what you're, you're here, uh, or even if you don't, share us on social media. Um, it'd be great. Now, before I begin, I need to talk about our sponsors. I should know this off by heart by now, but I don't. Um, Forest Precision Engineering are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. Uh, they have a big commercial support of Rangers for, for many, many years, and we're delighted that they are backing our pod. Um, you can find out more about Forest Precision Engineering by going to their website, which is Forest, which is two R's, precisioneng. Um, now, if you don't need engineering in your life, perhaps you might fancy a trip to the Forest Precision Executive Lodge. Um, it's a hospitality area, it's quite new within the main stand. Um, and if you want more information on how to book that, um, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Okay, so uh, as I said, I'm joined tonight by Brian. Um, Brian is a multi-talented man. I'm sure you all knew that anyway, but Brian is a multi-talented man. You know he's multi-talented because he, he wears headphones things and, and I've just got this sweet angly thing they gave me for nothing with my phone. Um, but the reason he has that is because Brian is actually uh, not just a, a font of knowledge in all things Rangers, but he is producing tonight as well as guesting. So um, that, that's uh, a mark of the man. Frankly, I'm only here because otherwise he'd be talking to himself and I'm sure he could do that without me. Uh, Brian, how are you tonight? You're, you're well. Um, you're decided to spend Friday night um, in the house talking to me about Rangers um, seven days, six days after we just lost to Celtic. Life's obviously not treating you as well as it should be. Yeah, I'm not too bad. It's nice to have someone to talk to and talk to myself. I'm still a bit of a come down after spending uh, 10 days in South Africa last week, so I'm still trying to yeah. readjust to um, life back in the real world, uh, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Brian, we're not here to let you show off about your intercontinental trips and your exotic foreign holidays. If you think I'm indulging you in that for one second, you are going to be disabused by that in a second. Brian, that was, must have been a pretty expensive trip, South Africa. So how did you feel today when the emails come in about the season ticket renewals? Um, um, it's, we spoke off air, it feels like that's happening earlier every year. Uh, although I have read tonight that apparently it was around the same time last year it happened. Um, but a little, little bit Christmas, it, it just feels like it's coming earlier every year. Um, I, I'm no maths expert, um, but other people tell me that it's about a 5% increase year on year, which when you consider inflation and, and all the cost of everything going up, I guess at first glance seems kind of fair. However, Brian, I don't have to tell you, this is a season where we get absolutely horsed in the Champions League, one of our worst defeats ever at Ibrox. Um, 
we lost the League Cup. Um, we're not going to win the league. I think we're pretty much all agreed on that now. Um, and in a couple of weeks' time, um, we are facing Celtic again in the Scottish Cup. This could be a trophyless season. Um, does this represent value for money, Brian? Do you think a 5% increase is, is fair under the, the circumstances? I think given the performances on the park this season, it's difficult to say that it does represent value for money. Um, as you say, there's a potential for a trophyless season with only got kind of one trophy left to fight for this season. So, you know, as Rangers fans, that's not where we would expect to be in a season. So it's difficult to say that a 5% increase represents good value for what we're watching. I guess on the flip side of that, the club would argue that they've made big investments in Edmondson House and they want to do um, redo the disabled facilities in the stadium. So... I guess they would argue the 5% increase is kind of going towards that and Michael Beale keeps telling us at every press conference how big this summer's going to be in terms of squad overhaul. So I guess that's how the, the club would justify it. Um, in terms of, you know, renewing every year, or they'll ask me, are you renewing? And I always say yes, because my feeling on this is if I don't renew, then if I let my season ticket go, I'll probably never get it back again because the waiting list's so long. And now you need to sign up to my gels to, to even get on the waiting list now. So that's another barrier of entry for people that actually want a season ticket. So in terms of personally, um, for me, when I renew, I can totally understand people that think, you know, in this climate, they just can't justify a, an expensive season ticket. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to say that it represents value for money based on what we're currently watching. But hopefully if we have as good a summer as Michael Beale keeps telling us we're going to have, then this time next season we'll be talking about it and saying that it was good value for money. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance we're going to be saying it's, it's good value. I think no matter, we could win the Champions League and I still think we'd complain about the price of the season tickets. That's, that's just part of our DNA. Um, I think the one thing you can say about this board um, when they do, and you know, the price of, of the Champions League tickets uh, was was Frankly, I, I think uh, it was embarrassing what they, what they did there. Uh, but I think what you can say is they are reinvesting the money. Uh, you know, you, you can now see physical infrastructural changes around Ibrooks, and you've been able to see that now for, for a couple of seasons. We may debate about the quality of some of our signings, but we have made signings um, each summer. Um, you know, we can debate long and hard about whether they're good enough, but they cost us money and they do need to be paid. So I suppose from that perspective, the club still feels like it's in good hands. Um, and so I guess from that perspective, people feel a bit more comfortable if they can afford it paying that money. But no one wants to see a 5% increase. And it, it, it did it strike me as bad timing, um, bringing that out just a few days after um, we, we've lost at Parkhead and pretty much the season is over um, in terms of the league. Um, Talking of safe hands, um, it was obviously, uh, before we come and talk about uh, St Mirren game, um, some big changes um, at Ibrox this week um, and over the last couple of weeks. Our chairman stood down and, and we have a new chairman uh, and that's obviously something that happened in, in the fairly, fairly recently, just over the last couple of weeks there. Uh, and then this week, the departure of Ross Wilson. Now, Ross Wilson was a fairly high profile uh, at Rangers. Um, 
you know, Rangers seemed to to court him. It seemed to be a he seemed to be a man that they wanted for a while before they got him. Um, he came in with a fairly good reputation uh, as somebody who could spot uh, and bring in talent uh, to Southampton and then sell it on for for a significant uh, profit, which I think is I think we all agreed is largely the business model at Rangers. Uh, certainly came in with that reputation. He was Scottish, so he obviously had some grasp of where Rangers. I never thought he was a Rangers supporter, and I don't believe he was. Um, but he understood Scottish football. He understood Rangers. So certainly on paper, he looked like a very, very good signing um, in that way. Um, was his departure a surprise to you, Brian? I think the manner of it and the timing of it was a surprise. Um, I think we all kind of know that he's been facing kind of heavier scrutiny from fans recently, especially after last summer. A lot of fans kind of assigning him the blame for the, the transfers that don't work out. So in terms of him leaving it, it felt like it was time for a change and just a freshening up. All around the club, we've kind of had the fresh the freshening up of the manager and the management team. We've now got the kind of freshening up in, in terms of at the very top, in terms of the chairman. Um, we're being told that we're going to freshen the squad up this summer. So it felt like it was a good time to kind of freshen up the kind of head of the football department, which I guess is what that role is. Um, so it, it does feel like a good time for, for a change and maybe new new eyes and new perspective when we're seeing things, which is good. But um, I was slightly surprised doing it right before a, a summer that we're told it's going to be a big change. And then also the kind of manner of it in terms of, you know, Nottingham Forest coming in for him and then it all getting done within 24 hours is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, but not entirely surprised that that he has um, has left. Maybe that was a deal he'd been working on for a while. One of the one one of the few signings he managed to make quite quickly. Um, uh, you mentioned the protests. You mentioned some of the fan disquiet. Do you think that played a part in in this decision? Probably not. If I'm being honest, I, I dare say if you work it in football, and particularly if you work at a club the size of Rangers, you need to have a fairly thick skin especially if you're kind of heading up the football department as his role was. So I dare say that the protests and the banners at games wouldn't have really affected him. I think I remember him speaking at the AGM, he was quite kind of vociferous in the defence of his own track record and his own position. So, you know, I, I dare say he felt he was he was doing a good job in, in what his remit was. So I don't think that the protests would have kind of played a major part in his decision to leave. I think Maybe he just felt that he needed a change as much as you know Rangers needed a bit of freshness. Maybe it was time that Ross Wilson also felt he needed a change. And I guess to him, Forrest represents a good opportunity for that. He's of course came in when Gerard was manager. Gerard left. When Bronckhurst came in, when Bronckhurst left, now Beale's there. You know, in a short period of time, he's worked with three different Rangers managers, and. Um, I wonder if the appointment of Van Bronckhurst, which ironically this time last year we would have been raving about, but, but wow, I know what a great appointment Van Bronckhurst was. And, and obviously that turned sour this season. Um, Beals come in. Uh, I do wonder whether um, there was internal pressure perhaps being applied um, and uh, or whether he himself just felt, no, you know what, these guys, none of us, I suspect none of us can probably pay him more than we pay him. Um, I suspect if Nottingham Forest 
can stay up this season, they're a big enough club to to build on that if they can stay in the league. So I, I suppose I can see the, the attraction. Um, the, the director of football role is one of these positions that, that generates a lot of discussion. Um, and it's not always something that is broken down along age lines, but you do certainly see it broken down along age lines sometimes where um, older supporters look at it and say, what the hell is that person supposed to be doing? Why is the manager not doing that job? You know, if it was good enough for Jock Wallace, if it was good enough for Walter Smith, why is it not good enough for uh, Michael Beale or wherever? Um, younger supporters, perhaps, who are more used to this, who've seen it in, uh, work in, in other clubs and in, in other countries, uh, see it as something that is fairly important in a modern football. Um, you know, Rangers famously had what 10 managers in the first 120 years of our history um, and we've had something similar in the, in, in the next 20. Um, you know it's it, football has changed there's no doubt about that you know we've had three managers in two seasons uh, a, a recent history is is one of managers coming in for a sh relatively short period of time and then a changeover so i understand why in that environment, clubs need to find a way of ensuring that every time the manager changes, the whole place doesn't get ripped up and, and start again. I can understand that. And I can see then where the, the football comes in. But at a club the size of Rangers and playing in the Scottish League, do we need a director of football? I mean, would, would you expect us to replace Ross Wilson with somebody similar? I think I do expect us to replace him. I think we do need that sort of role called be it a director of football, a sporting director, a technical, whatever title you want to give it, I think having that role that sits above the management team that kind of allows some continuity to be in place when managers do inevitably change, I think that's important in this day and age. I think, you know, I hear loads of people on, online saying, you know, why can't we just let Michael Beale buy all the players and, 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 and we kind of run it that way? And I think that's all well and good saying that, but then what happens when the inevitable and Michael Beale eventually leaves Rangers? They're then kind of starting from scratch. The idea to me of that role is you've got some continuity in place for when the manager does inevitably change, you're not completely starting from a blank canvas. You've got your scouting structure in place. You've got your medical structure in place. You've got your academy structure all in place. And then the, the director of football oversees that. And then the manager's sort of interchangeable as and when needed. Um, and I think that's just the modern way of it now. I think going back to, people often go back to Alex Ferguson as being this, you know, he kind of did it all, but they sort of forget that he had David Gill for a lot of his time at Man U that did a lot of the negotiation. Nobody expects a manager to negotiate with clubs around transfer fees or negotiate with players around contracts that should all be left to a director of football so the manager can focus on managing. No, I am a big believer that managers should have a big say in who comes into the club. I don't think that, you know, Ross Wilson should just be buying players and then giving them to Michael Beale and saying, right, you go and coach them. I think um, Michael Beale and any Rangers manager should have, you know, a big say in, in who come, comes into the club and who leaves the club. But I do think you need to have that overall structure of the manager. That stays in place so that for inevitably when the manager changes you're not starting from scratch again 
Ja. Um, uh, it's an American system, the idea of the director of football. It's come from American sport where you know, a, a, a club has a coach and the coach's job, or the, and there's usually a series of coaches, and of course you're seeing that more and more here, and their job is to, to coach the players that they are given. They can say, you know, I want a new quarterback or I, I need a new a new pitcher or, or whatever, but ultimately somebody else makes a decision of who they are. And, and in reality, that's actually how it's always been in football. We didn't have a director of football. The manager may well have been the person who phoned the other club and said, listen, I'd like to buy such and such. You know, they, they, they might have done that. But ultimately, the board of directors said yes or no to whether the funds were available to do that. And likewise, they said yes or no whether a player was getting sold. And, and it would not, you know, it was not uncommon for players to be sold, you know, where the manager not be terribly happy about it. Yeah. But the directors are there to make sure the club um, continues running and, and remains solvent. So, so that that's always existed in football. It's just been dressed up in a different way. Um, we touched upon the timing, and that was the thing that I think surprised me most: the speed at which this happened. I would have assumed someone like Ross Wilson would have had a period, like, you know, a, there'd be something in his contract about, you know, working your notice. You know, he's not the manager. He's not a centre forward. I would have thought the job he did requires somebody to write, you know, you have a three months notice period or six months notice period. Um, and I, um, so I'm assuming that must have been in his contract. So I'm surprised the club didn't hold him to it with everything you just said there. Today uh, at the press conference, um, Michael Beale made some some interesting comments um, about, you know, about what he saw um, uh, in the summer. And I'll say I was a little surprised um, at, at what he said. I'm, I'm pleased if it's true, but I was a little surprised um, at, at what he said. Um, he, he would basically claimed, I'm just trying to, to find a quote here which I can't find, but he basically claimed that the the summer's business is largely done um, and that he knows what it is and it's largely complete and he doesn't seem terribly concerned. And that might just, of course, be what he's telling the press and in the background we're all running about with our hair on fire, really quite annoying with what's happened. Um, you know, you would certainly hope there would be a degree of forward planning. You would certainly hope that was all in place. But do you think this, the timing of this, is going to be a big problem with, with so many players that are contract this summer? And, and as you said, everything we've been told is this is a big summer. They tell us every summer's a big summer, but this is going to be a big summer. And certainly, having seen what happened to us on Saturday, where you know, we can complain about the goal that wasn't given, we can bury our heads at the, the two horrendous defensive errors that you know, gifted them those two goals. But ultimately, over this season, we haven't been good enough to beat Celtic. And that's what we have to be. We have to be good enough to beat Celtic. It's, the way the league is just now, it's not enough for us to be able to beat every other team in the league. We still have to beat Celtic because no one else is taking points off them currently. It's a big sell because that has to be dealt with and it has to be dealt with quite quickly. Um, do you think this is going to be a problem for the club? I think it could be. I think we'll probably only know that 
until we're actually into the summer and maybe even past the summer, we'll maybe then only be able to assess what effect this has had. Um, Michael Beale tells us right now that it's not going to be a problem, so I guess we have to take his word for that. Um, it does slightly concern me how kind of vocal Michael Beale is being about how much of the summer plans are already done and how big a summer this is going to be. I think it could end up with egg on his face if for whatever reason deals don't come off or we don't kind of hit the ground running in the summer as quickly as is he saying we're going to sort of setting the expectation that we're going to go really early in the summer and get our deals done and he's almost saying that deals are already done pretty much we're just, we're just waiting on the window to open is, is kind of the impression <laughs> that he's given that you know deals are done we're just waiting on the window to open so we can fill the paperwork is essentially the impression I'm getting so if for whatever reason that doesn't happen that's kind of going to come back and bite him a bit um, so I do worry about how how vocal he's been about this and I, I think it's something that we've all said about Michael Beale since he came in is how open he is with the press and how much he just you know he's a football man and he loves to talk football but maybe he should try and keep his cards a bit closer to his chest it might be that everything's done and, and what he's saying might be 100% accurate but it might not be the best idea to say that publicly yeah. because we all know that deals could fall through for any number of reasons um, you know we don't know if medical's been done yet maybe a you know, we think we've got a deal done and then we go and do a medical and we think that's just going to be a formality, but it turns out the player's got, you know, a, an underlying issue that we Ryan, don't know about. the surprise so, to me in that sentence is that we do medicals. Um, <laughs> that, that's, I think, the thing that's coming as a surprise to me there, we do medicals. I see Christian Nerlinger, I don't know if you remember Christian Nerlinger, he played a half of football for us about uh, on a four-year contract back 20-odd <laughs> years ago. Um, Christian Malingerer, he has <laughs> is quoted today online or quoted tonight online as, as saying he isn't interested in the job but he, he was delighted to have been approached now i don't know if that meant he was approached by rangers or if that meant he was approached by some guy asking him would you fancy the job um because yeah I, I, he's been out of scottish football for a long time and it, it would have been a surprise appointment for me um you know i'd imagine that whoever comes in would have some experience of, of at least british football uh, uh, more recently. Anyway, look, time is not our friend. Let's move on. Um, St Mirren tomorrow coming to Ibrox. Uh, St Mirren in great form coming to this game. Uh, I had a look at them earlier. I have I had the misfortune of, of, of having people married into my family who, who are of, of the Paisley persuasion. Um, and they're actually quite upbeat about football just now because I have to say, normally whenever I catch up with them, they are down in the dumps, football, they hate football. Watching St Mirren seems to be like a kind of torture. Um, and yeah, they've been strangely upbeat this season. It's It's been disconcerting, I have to say. And uh, speaking with um, my brother-in-law uh, just the other day, they're um, quietly looking forward to this game. They, they think they may have caught Rangers just at the right moment. Um, that Rangers will be a bit down after the weekend's result and that this might be a good time to, to catch Rangers. Um, so Mum will know, um, or potentially will know before the game starts tomorrow, if they're guaranteed a top six. If, if Hibs lose tomorrow, then they are guaranteed a top six. Um, so, uh, you know, they're also a, a realistic contender for a European place, only something like three points behind Aberdeen, who are currently sitting in third. Um, so, uh, you know, they fancy their chances tomorrow. Do you think this is the perfect game for Rangers, a home game against St Mirren, a team who haven't beaten us for a long time in the league? 
Um, so do you think this is this is the, 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 the perfect game for the to come back with or get over the weekend's disappointment? Or do you think this is a potential banana skin? I think it's, I would say it's a potential banana skin. Um, I know exactly what you mean about um, having experience with um, these St Mirren fans that are fairly upbeat. One of the um, guys in my work is a St Mirren fan. He's been telling me all week about how they're, uh, they're going to beat us this weekend and I'm going to have a miserable week next week. So um, hopefully we can we can get the result tomorrow just so I don't need to go through that. Um, the, the main reason I think it's a potential banana skin is I always think, whenever I think about Stephen Robinson teams, I always think about his Motherwell team that came to Ibrox in the 55 season and they went... One a lot that we beat them two one thanks to I think it was um, Cedric Hitton scored twice. But I always remember when they went one nil up, he basically played a four six zero, and it was a real slog to break them down. And yeah. um, that's think, the motherable way. Yeah, yeah. I think this team, if you used to say submitted team up similar, and if they were to get a, an early goal, I'm not sure I would have the confidence that this team could overturn that off the back of last weekend result that I did during the fifty five season. Um, to be honest, I do think no. it's a potential banana skin there in good form. You know, they're, they're looking at potential European trips next season, so they've got a lot to play for. Um, whereas we probably don't, although at Rangers we've always got something to play for, but realistically, we know the title's gone. We're now just kind of looking towards that um, Scottish Cup semi final. Um, so hopefully, the the manager can get the players kind of fired up just by dangling that carrot in front of them and letting them know they're kind of playing for their place in that game um, and we get the result. But I do think this is one that could um, could trip us up. So, Bill, speaking with the media this, today, um, one of the things he, he told us, which I think it did come as a surprise. Someone texted me, actually, Colin, who's... who's um, on the pod, obviously, fairly regularly texted me to say that you know, have you seen the players that are out tomorrow? Um, and and we're looking at Goldson, Kent, Jack, Scott Wright, Cholak, uh, Yelmaz is out again, um, and obviously King um, and um, King Roof and Lawrence, who've been out kind of long term. Um, when you add that to Hollander and, and Stevie Davis. That's that's almost a full team. You know, it's just a goalie away from a full team, and a, a, a team that you know could well have played for Rangers at some point in the season. Um, uh, what can the club do to remedy this? I mean, this is, you know, it, we've been talking about this a lot on the pod, but but something is wrong at the club. You know, the the list of injuries just seems. Uh, I mean, I had a look at St. Martin. St. Martin got two injuries. Now, you have to assume St Mirren don't have the same sports science department that, that Rangers do. You know, you have to assume, potentially wrongly, but you have to assume that St Mirren don't have the same insight into what could cause injuries with players, um, you know, the same level of fitness and nutrition. Yet, St Mirren have got two injuries on a much smaller squad, and we've 11. What can we do about that? You know, is this... Is this a director of football that should be dealing with this? You know, how, how, would, you, how would you, how would you go about remedying this problem? How do you fix all the club's ills? Give us a, give us the answer. I think it's one of the one of the first jobs for the new director of football is to do a bit of an assessment of the the medical and sports science department. Um, it's clear that 
you know, we've had more injuries this season than than I can remember in recent years. Now you're, you're never going to have an injury free season. That's just not ever going to be the case. But it does feel like this season we're having more than than the norm really. So I think it's definitely one for the director of football to do a bit of an assessment of the medical department. And I don't know, I remember it was it I seen it Mark Waller, was he the head of the medical department previously and he left? So I'm not sure who's replaced him or if he's been replaced. Um, I don't know if that's got anything to do with the kind of increase in injury recently if there has been some kind of change in the medical department or reduction in resources or something maybe. Um, but it's definitely one for, for the new director of football to look at. Um, and, and the thing about this is, actually, is that, you know the medical department, and we, we speak about the medical department, I don't have any huge insight into you know, who does what behind the scenes at Ibrox. I've always assumed the medical department's job is to fix the players who are injured. What I want to know is whose job it is to stop them getting injured in the first place. Um, Walter Smith, many years ago now, many years ago, Walter Smith was interviewed um, by Italian television. They were doing a, a documentary on um, football in Scotland. And he was interviewed by Italian television and they come along to training and training basically was a half hour of, uh, you know, no contact, five asides. That was, that was the training. And he was asked about this. Um, when, when, you know, when do you, do, when do you do your training? When do you do the, all the other work? And he said, we don't. And he said, we do all our, all our work in pre-season. So we get the fitness levels up in pre-season. He said, we'll, we'll top that up as the season goes on. He said, but the seasons here are too hard. The, the football we play is too hard. There's too much football. And the type of football we play is physically too hard. And so we don't, we do very little in training between games. And um, and, and they were amazed at this. this. This just seemed like football from the dark ages. And, I wonder how much has changed since then. And I have to, I also wonder with Van Bronckhorst coming in and maybe in a Dutch system, whether the preseason just didn't work for Rangers this, uh, this, this year, uh, whether the preseason was part of the problem. Um, and um, that's why players have been picking up. I mean, players who've never had injuries, Goldson, you know, Goldson, you know, barely missed a game since he joined. And now this season he's probably missed you know, a third of the season through injury. Um, and, and, you know, it's muscle injuries he's been getting. And these are the kind of injuries that you feel, you know, if someone breaks a leg, if someone does a medial, you know, that, that these things happen. It's difficult to do anything about that. But the muscle injuries, the, the strains, these types of injuries, you would hope there was more in place to try and deal with them. Um, it, it's a huge, huge frustration. Um, and it might cost us because we have a big, big game coming up in two weeks' time. Um, and there's a few players on that list that you would like to be at least in the squad. Looking at the squad, as we've both agreed, our, our focus for the season now is the Scottish Cup uh, and that Celtic game in, in a couple of weeks' time at the end of the month. I've read a few people this week suggest that you know Rangers should experiment in the league now, um, either you know bringing in some of the fringe players. You know, do you remember Matondo? Um, you remember him, um, you know, perhaps giving guys like him a run, um, maybe some of the younger players, guys like Devine, Lowry, even Ewer, who's been having a, a, a pretty good season uh, in, in the B team. Um, 
getting those guys in, giving them game time. There's a couple of arguments in this. Some I, I've had it explained to me before that club like Rangers, if you do that and you bring in, you know, fringe players into the first team when they haven't earned it, they actually haven't earned it. They haven't done whatever it is that's required in training. They haven't shown whatever it is that's required um, to get into that first team. And you're just doing it because, well, there's nothing really at stake. Um, so let's see how they got on. But actually, that's not good for the player and it's not good for the squad. It sends out the wrong message. Um, and that no, you know, you pick the players who are doing the job. You pick the players who are training well, you pick the players who are uh, who are who have performed for you. Um, but at the same time, young players need games, fringe players need games. There are players in our squad and uh, that we don't know how good they are. Um, you know, what would you do with our remaining league games? You know, we're not going to get caught by Aberdeen um, and we're not going to catch Celtic. So we're pretty much guaranteed second. Um, what would you do with our remaining league games? Do you, do you play our strongest team? Do you keep it? Um, do you keep the team winning games so that that's just what we're doing in the run up to the, 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 the cup game? Or do you experiment? Um, you're, the, you're the manager, Brian. What would you do? I think there's a balance to be struck here. I wouldn't necessarily be flooding the start 11 with all players from the B team. I wouldn't mind seeing an Alex Lowry if he's in the right kind of. It's basically playing football. We know he's had kind of family tragedy recently. So if he's in the right frame of mind to be playing football, I wouldn't mind seeing him and um, Adam Devine potentially. Because um, they two have, you know, they, to me, they are, you know, first team players. Um, Adam Devine made a few appearances earlier in the season and did quite well. And Lowry's been kind of on the, the fringes of the first team for a while now. So I wouldn't mind seeing them. But I do think you need to you need to strike a balance. You don't what you don't want to do is we treat these games as you know B team games where we play all the B team players and then we we take some defeats and then that knocks the confidence going into the semi final. So you want to try and as much as possible keep as winning these games going into the semi final just for confidence as much as anything. We need to be winning games and preferably scoring goals going into these a semi final. We need to get into the habit of being more clinical and putting chances away. Um, so I'd want to be playing the majority of kind of first team or first 11, as you would see it. But I wouldn't mind seeing one or two of the youngsters, Lowry and Devine mainly, come in and play. Um, I think they've got something to offer. And I think it's something that we should be doing is trying to get youngsters in as and when we can in the right amount and not just putting the team for the youngsters. But... You know, one or two, and then having the experienced players around the way will be helpful. Yep, uh, it'll be interesting to see what what does. Obviously, these injuries have, you know, somebody else is going to be playing um, on uh, on the left wing because Kent uh, is is unfit. Um, and if Kent is leaving in the summer, and I don't know if he is or not, but if Kent's leaving in the summer, then we do need to find someone to replace him. I think Matondo is the one that maybe people thought might do that. Uh, on the little we've seen of him, he doesn't look like he's capable of doing that just now. It'll be interesting to see what what Bill does. It's, it's actually a, it's it's actually quite an important few weeks because yeah. you know we want to go into that Celtic game with players fresh and fit. So I could I could see the argument for resting players 
Um, certainly some key players. Um, you don't want you don't want to pick up injuries. Um, you don't want Morelos to pick up an injury. You know, if, if, I don't know what injury it is that that um, Cholak's got. But if he's injured, then you don't want Morelos to be injured. You want to begin to that game with no striker. So you know, a bit of me is thinking like you know, wrap him up in cotton wool somewhere and, and hide him away um, because you don't want to be into that game with no striker. You, you definitely do need a striker. And actually, I hope else did okay last Saturday. Um, he was very unlucky with the goal. Uh, I'm still to this day don't know why that got chopped off. Um, so he was unlucky there, and you certainly don't. You certainly want him fit for that match if, if Cholak isn't going to be fit. You need him. So uh, I'll be interested to see what Bill does. Big decisions, even when there's nothing at stake. You know, the manager Rangers, they're, they're big decisions. And the other thing, of course, is even though there's nothing at stake, Rangers fans don't like to see the team lose. You know, yeah. and they certainly don't like to see the team lose some mum at home. Yeah. Um, you know, so that will not go down well. You bring in young players and blood them and all that. But if there's fifty thousand people booing them at half time, you know, it may not yeah. be the best thing for them, frankly. And there's there's always a danger that if he wraps a lot of the first team players up in cotton wool, they go into the semi final a bit undercooked and not feeling fresh because they've not played in a couple of weeks. I think that was what cost us potentially the twenty sixteen Scottish Cup final when we hadn't played for a few weeks before that, I remember Hibs had played because they were in the playoffs, I think. And I think you could tell that, you know, we were a bit undercooked. Um, so I think he has to be mindful of that as well in terms of, you know, overprotecting players almost. We want players like Alfie to be scoring goals in these next few weeks just to get into that rhythm and that habit of, you know, scoring goals again. Um, especially Morelos because he needs to be, he's our main striker and we need to be being more clinical. Um, in all games, but particularly against Celtic, we get a chance. Not a problem. Brian, thanks for your time tonight. Um, it's good of you to give it up and come along and press the buttons and, and do the volume and put the headphones on and um, you know worry about how you're going to pay for your season ticket when your American Express bill hits with all those South African ran. You see the expert, you see the exchange rate these days, Brian. I tell you, man, I pity you. Um, Listen, um, everybody else who's on, can I just remind you uh, that you can find the podcast on a whole variety of different platforms, uh, not just the one that you are currently listening to it on. Uh, we're on Acast, we're on iTunes, we're on YouTube, we're on Castbox, we're on Castbox, even we're on Stitcher, and we are on Spotify. Um, there's going to be a podcast on Sunday night. Um, Craig is hosting, and he'll have David Fraser and Chris Jack. Um, and they'll be on the pod and they'll be pouring over the calls from um, Saturday's game with St Mirren uh, and, and anything else that may have happened um, over the next 48 hours and, and you know whatever happens there will be stuff that happens because that's just the way of it. Um, so again um, if you have a moment please pop on to the Jersnet website, uh, the message board, have a look at any of these things. Um, uh, enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Um, hopefully the game goes well against St Merlin. Um, and thanks for listening.